It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And uh, we are recording this uh, as the Mets are tied 4-4 on September 16th against the Phillies. Uh, Jacob deGrom left the game with an injury. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But first, it appears like the Mets have a new owner. There has been an agreement uh, put together between Steve Cohen and the Wilpons to sell the team. All that is uh, waiting to happen now is is uh, the approval of the other owners. That will happen in November. So theoretically, by the time the winter meetings start, the Mets could have a new owner. We've talked about Cohen a little bit in the past, but now now this is getting real. And I am very interested to see how fans deal with Cohen. Because on one hand, and I, I don't want to totally besmirch our new owner, right before he even shows up. But I mean, he seems like a pretty uh immoral dude when it comes to money, <laughs> you know, like he he's he's been <laughs> investigated for for lots of of uh, you know, bad shit when it comes to his his personal financial situation as well as his company's financial situation. And you know, I I don't think that there can't be a good billionaire but it's probably very hard to be a good billionaire. And so, you know, I, I would not be super stoked to find out that Steve Cohen was my new boss. Let's put it that way. But 
he's not the Wilpons, and we all know how uh, how the Wilpons have been for well forever. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how much rope this guy is given before fans turn on him, or if fans have already turned on him. You know, I also think that it this is just an interesting political time to be buying a baseball team because it's during an election year. He's given a ton of money to Trump, and you know, it's just it's just it it, it this just feels very weird for a lot of reasons. What are your overall thoughts? on new Mets owner, Steve Cohen. Uh, well, he's not the Wilpons. <laughs> that, yep. that, that is really the, um, the biggest thing. So I was thinking about it because we've, we've talked about a couple of things with Cohen, uh, on, on previous episodes. And it's funny. He's been a character in the Mets universe now for like almost a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we've, we've talked about, as you said, What's the honeymoon period? Um, and, and, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. Um, and, and we've talked a little bit about just, you know, what what the team might look like, um, how, how it could be run under him. And, yeah, I I mean, I think you summed that up pretty nicely. I, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't want to assume anything really, um, but we know the Wilpons have mastered the art of dysfunction. We know they're meddlesome, uh, and this it's really a situation where somebody who's coming in who, even if it was just the Wilpons' personality traits, you know, which it, and to be fair, it's really Jeff Wilpon's personality traits that seem to get most of the negative attention. Um, you know, going back years, we've heard stories like the Mets AAA affiliate isn't in Norfolk anymore. And that this is going back a long time now. Um, but it's not down there anymore. Cause Jeff Wilpon fucks something up <laughs> by being himself in, in dealing with that franchise. Uh, that had been a Mets minor league affiliate for quite some time and was a reason that David Wright was a Mets fan when he was growing yep. up, you know? Yep. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I can't really talk about Cohen without framing him as, as not a Wilpon, but um, I mean, just the, the thing I was trying to explain to my wife, who is, who's a Mets fan, but a very casual Mets fan. I was trying to explain to her why the Wilpons are so bad. And she, she was, I mean, she was getting it, but I said, just just let's look, look at it this way, okay? So the Wilpons, uh, Fred Wilpons' brother-in-law is a guy named Saul Katz. They own the team together. Saul Katz's kids hate Jeff Wilpon so much, they refuse to inherit a multi-billion dollar organization <laughs> to work with him. And she was like, yeah, okay, I get it now. <laughs> like, what else can you say? He's, his, he's their cousin. They hate right. their cousin so much that they wouldn't even run a multi-billion dollar corporation with him. Yeah. That's so, it. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I guess to focus on on Cohen a little bit more, I, uh, from my perspective here, it would just be he's coming into it despite the track record and and you know the fines that he paid for financial uh, indiscretions, crimes. I I forget which thing it was. You know what exactly how it breaks down. Uh, but he's coming into this as somebody who isn't 
uh, an ownership group or, or a single owner who had been roped into the Madoff Ponzi scheme and then playing this balancing game of, uh, you know, debt that the team had and, and trying to be competitive, but never doing a full rebuild, but also never really spending at the top of the free agent market. It just, and never that, even really breaking down when they could have. There's, they've mishandled almost every, almost every opportunity they've mishandled. Right, and, and going back in time, I was never somebody, and I, I would not have, even in hindsight, uh, traded David Wright, uh, Jose Reyes in his first long stint as a Met. I would have tried to keep him around, you know. But yeah, Cohen's not coming into this as somebody who's in a compromised financial position so we don't know how he's going to behave uh, as an owner day one what he's going to do oh I, I just remember the other actual the thing that we had talked about too um whether or not he keeps brody or other people in the front office around yes and the more like at some point over the last week i was like oh yeah we talked about that on the podcast and uh and the more I think about it, I'm like, Brody's too close to Jeff. And we know Jeff has been like waging a campaign to uh, to get the A-Rod J-Lo ownership group to buy the team. And it's still leaked stuff related to that. Oh, oh they'll, they'll match the offer if the other owners just reject Cohen. Um, all that stuff says to me that if there's any actual closeness between... Brody Van Wagenen and Jeff Wilpon that Cohen will make a change. But who knows? Uh, one of the things that feels like an ancient memory now uh, was when Van Wagenen was ripping the commissioner. <laughs> right. And then it was like, oh, wait, nope. I was actually ripping Jeff Wilpon. So I don't know what that relationship is like, you know, as, as people who aren't there to see that on a, on a daily basis um, or seeing it, you know, remotely in, in the way that most of us uh, who, who work in offices are working these days. Um, I don't know what that relationship is like, but. Well, I mean, you know, on one hand, we've heard that they are close, but I can't imagine when he was an agent that he was cozying up to ownership necessarily. Right. Like maybe, we've seen maybe a little bit, but I mean, we we've seen how other agents are with ownership usually, right? And we've seen like a photo of uh, Van Wagenen and and one or more of the Wilpons playing golf. I don't know, you know that 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 doesn't necessarily indicate anything extreme to me. Right. right. Uh, um, I'm sure plenty of people have played golf with somebody that they actually don't like. But, but yeah, it's if Brody Van Wagenen wants to stick around in the front office, either as general manager and, or in some other role, then I'd imagine his next month is going to be about demonstrating to Cohen that he is completely independent of Jeff Wilpon and will not entertain anything from him uh, as, as the Wilpon family, the Wilpon and, and Katz family holds on to a very small 5% stake 
in the team. And I say very small, and it's still worth more than I'll ever make in my life. But same, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, here's my question about about the stake. Does this mean that the minority owners are also selling their shares to Cohen? So I don't think I've seen anybody explicitly say that, but it's been reported as 95% Cohen, 5% Wilpon, Katz, you, you know, Sterling Mets, whatever. Um, I wasn't sure if that meant the Wilpons were selling him 95% of their stake. Well, yeah, and I think... So two things. One, I don't know exactly how it worked in terms of those people who had uh, invested money in the team in terms of whether or not they had a specific percentage of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have through a, a friend of a friend is married into one of those families. Um, so I've met one of them like once or twice uh, at, at a game and – my understanding is that he's out and I would assume that means everybody who did that same kind of thing is also yes, out. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, so the, there's no expectation of continued and, and really the, like the people who put that money in were treated as like ultra season ticket holders. Right. Yeah. With some access to, the Wilpons and all that, but it's not like they were, you know, given free reign to just go into the clubhouse and, you know, like show up at work <laughs> or anything like, <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like they they, they were, I think they were treated just based on my knowledge of what this one guy, uh, had, uh, you know, they were, they were treated nicely and, and well, and had a level of access that, the average person does not, but we're not anything really more than that. And I remember the time that that happened, whether it was Howard Megdahl or somebody else, but Howard really has been like the preeminent Wilpon reporter in you know the entire span of their ownership. Um, but I, I remember as that was going down, a lot of the however many people put that 20 million in, I think it was each. Um, was 20 million each? I thought so. Maybe. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not certain. I, I was, I was just curious. I remember the only person I, I know, and I don't know this person. I'm always known from TV is that Bill Maher was one of the people. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, this is my long winded way of saying that. I think it was, it got you something. So I'm sure that, being, you know, I'm sure that 95% of the team being bought out means that you're getting some money now. Right. I just don't know exactly how it worked in terms of whether or not you were technically loaning the Mets money and making money back on that, or if you actually had like a 0.5% stake in the team, um, and then you would get 0.5% of the amount that Cohen is paying. I I don't know right, specifically right. on that front, but I. But what I think would be absolutely perfect would be if the 5% group that remains is like, ah, here you go. You got a suite. It's not it's not the owner's suite, but you, you can come to games and watch and whatever. And that's it. You, that, that's what you do now. You know, the same the same people in the stadium who uh, I'm sure 
were happy to give way when Jeff Wilpon was walking through and and all that might be charged with telling him like, nope, you can't go here anymore. Yeah, I mean, I would think that for a 5% stake, you pretty much get to walk anywhere that isn't restricted to team personnel. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you can go through every every VIP area, every box, every exclusive dining area, probably eat for free, whatever it is. But he's not I don't think I don't think Jeffy can get back into the clubhouse anymore. Right. <clears throat> and man, I am looking forward to the stories. Uh, we've already heard some of them. You know, Pedro Martinez with his story about Wilpon wanting him, Jeff Wilpon specifically, wanting him to pitch in a game where he was not feeling 100%, and it was specifically brought up. Like, the Mets were out of it, and it, and the gate was brought up in terms of the matchup and who they were playing, and, oh, man, it would be great to get you out there, and we get people out here to the park and whatever, whatever. You know, just that kind of thing where you can't treat players like that. Well, you know that, Chris. And I know that. <laughs> I don't think that uh, Jeff Wilpon ever learned that. Yeah. Oh, one thing that's just randomly coming to mind. Uh, and I think, like, I don't think it's any secret that the Mets in their in their Wilpon form <laughs> were not always the biggest fans of Zach Wheeler. And in isolation, I wouldn't have exactly given him the contract the Phillies did uh, myself. But that's for, you know, it's for different reasons. But uh, through a friend who who isn't the the friend of the friend, but through another friend who had a relationship with the Wilpons, over the years, you would always hear how frustrated they were with Wheeler, you know, when he was hurting, they didn't believe that he actually was hurting. They thought he didn't want to play. He didn't want to pitch, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, if if you're watching Zach Wheeler on the Phillies and wondering why he's there, I know Brody Van Wagenen had the, the, the dig publicly about a couple of half seasons that were really good. But that's kind of the job of the GM is to go out and, and be the face of an organization and, and maybe take <laughs> take take that heat on behalf of ownership if something backfires. Um, but I have no doubt in my mind that the reason that Wheeler isn't still a Met uh, is that the Wilpons had already gotten sick of him years beforehand. Yeah. And we're just happy to see him go. And, you know, it's it's funny this is my last Wilpon thought unless you want me to say anymore. <laughs> but I think back to the 2015 world series and then one of my favorite moments as a Mets fan. And I think I've talked about it on the, on the show before I know I've talked about it at ARGS and, and everything. Um, but it's the world series and there's a Met fan behind me. Who's about my age, maybe like a year or two younger and just hating on every single Mets player who gets, into the game and I just turn it. I'm like, do you like anybody on this team? Like, why are you here? (laughs) You know? Yeah. And, and you encounter that and I'm sure every fan base does, but it's just sort of perfect that the people who are in charge of this team 
uh, obviously the infamous Fred Wilpon interview about David Wright and, and company, uh, and, and knowing that they were, they can never just fully appreciate the good players they have, whether it's Wright or Beltron or Wheeler uh, or, or, or anybody else that they can never really fully get on board with their good players and always see the downside. It makes sense that a team that was run that way and threw players under the bus after they left almost universally, uh, it makes sense that a segment of their fans also hate everybody on their team. Yep. So that's all. I still didn't really give too much of an answer on Cohen, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but I I mean, mean, like, look, I I think that for everybody, I, I think most, most fans of teams hate their owners or at least don't love their owners have issues with ownership. And obviously the, the Mets are, you know, the Wilpons have owned the Mets for long enough and have owned the Mets through enough good times that were ne- that never became great times because of them and how they ran the team. That there's a lot of legitimate beef there. I also think that they are just buffoonish and so therefore very easy to laugh at. I don't know if I've told this story on the pod before. I know I told you. I know I've mentioned it to other Amazing Avenue folks. When we were in Port St. Lucie this year, the day before you got there, I found myself in an elevator with Fred Wilpon. And it was like me and Fred and then probably 15 of Fred's, maybe 15 is probably high, seven of Fred's pals. So it was the elevator that brings you from the press box down to like the media room. And so I was on the the one level. I guess they were on the top level. I was coming on the middle level and they were, we were all going to the bottom level. So I get in the elevator and it's crowded people and someone goes, oh, come on in, there's room. So I step in and everyone is standing except to my left. Uh, Fred Wilpon is sitting on the tallest stool I've ever seen. So he yeah. was like towering over the rest of the people. It's like what Mr. Burns would have done in The Simpsons. Mm. It mm-hmm. was just like this hilarious reminder of oh you're beneath me literally <laughs> and <laughs> and i feel like they're just there are so many willpon stories that involve one or both willpons just just being totally out of their gourd with um whether it's you know just thinking of themselves as being better than they are or um you know talking like they know what they're talking about i mean jeff wilpon speaks as if he's sci fucking young you know and and he doesn't know much about baseball from what i can tell even though he's been around baseball his entire life i don't think the guy has too much of a clue about baseball you know they're just they're just buffoons they're the bluth family they're the bluth family from rest development and yeah. uh you know it, they're just they're buffoons and so i i don't see how you can't look at them and just laugh and so to be able to have ownership that doesn't make you just want to laugh is a really nice thing. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's uh, – uh, look, we don't – we just don't know what Cohen would do. But it really feels like a situation where it can't be worse is applicable. Yeah, I mean, I, I think on one hand, if he's going to be a shrewd businessman and run things kind of like, 
you know, I'm trying to think of, of other teams, you know, a team like the Rays who compete every year but don't spend any money, but they compete every year because they're very smart about how they do things. If he wants to run the team that way, that makes more sense than how the Wilpons run it. If he wants to spend like a Steinbrenner, that makes more sense than how the Wilpons run it. The Wilpons just ran this team like an in-between franchise. They never ran it like a big market team, but they never ran it like a small market team either. Right. And I'm hoping that he would just be able to do something that would make a little bit more sense. Yeah, and I, I think as fans, we have reason to be optimistic that he will want to win and and do so quickly uh, because he's been a Mets fan his whole life. Um, you know, if you, if you told me that I was going to have enough money to buy the Mets tomorrow, I would, I would be doing my damnedest to, uh, to supplement this roster with the, the, you know, the obvious things it needs. Um, the Mets have a lot of good position players, young hitters, um, some defensive mismatches in terms of where some of these guys play, but they've got some very talented players and the best pitcher in baseball. There are way worse ways to start, you know? Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be, I would be shocked if he winds up, uh, if he winds up not spending some money. Right. And the Mets have taken the lead on an RBI single from Andres Jimenez. Yeah. Man, he's been fun. Yeah, he has been. And if I recall, there were two very handsome gentlemen in Port St. Lucie who thought he looked great earlier this year. That is, yes. Yeah. Even in, in, in spring training games over a very short span of time, it was just... I, I don't want to put this expectation on him, not not on him, not that he's listening to our podcast, but <laughs> for people who are, I don't I don't want to set the bar at this, uh, but he just got my attention in spring training this year the way that Syndergaard did a month or two before he got called out. Um, my dad still takes the cake because Degrom, like he he was so thrilled about how DeGrom looked and you know that was in the the spring training of the year he came up uh and it was just nobody was that high on him you know he started getting some attention I think and and like he was on the radar but nobody was that high on him even coming out of spring training right so that's still that's still a much better scoop than (laughs) than either one of the two but I can say having gone down there what, seven or eight times now? There's only been a handful of guys who have lit it up in a way that, that stood out to me uh, in in spring training. And Jimenez was one of them. So seeing him do this at the major league level is uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's also very different. Like, we were not watching him take batting practice where so many people can look like monsters. We were just watching him in-game, the way he was making adjustments was just super, super impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, the way he... Oh, my goodness. Can Jeff McNeil not run the bases anymore? 
I'm not watching. What just happened? Uh, well, it, he got thrown out on the bases again. Granted, he wasn't the one who got hung up, but he got tagged out between third and home. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? It was There was a rundown between first and second, and then you know he was caught between third and home. I guess it wasn't really his fault. It's just... But the answer is no, he cannot win the bases. <laughs> <laughs> but... Hold on. I'm not trying to embarrass any uh, current or former prospect uh, guys on our site, but I just want to look back at, at you know, um, where DeGrom was in that, you know, going into that spring training. Yeah. 15th. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> top Top five were, oh, my goodness. And this is just the nature of how the game works. So, you know, not not really trying to say anything more, but just DeGrom was not on the radar. We all we all know that. Uh, but the top five were Syndergaard, Darno, Rafael Montero, Cesar Pueyo. Oh, boy. And Wilmer Flores, followed by Dom Smith and Brandon Nemo. OK, I mean, overall, that's not a terrible list. No, no, no. And then Ploiecki, Dilson Herrera, Mats, Rosario, Yanoa, Chiquini, Fulmer, DeGrom. And right behind DeGrom, Domingo Tapia, who just pitched in the majors the other day for, I think, maybe the first time. Uh, was it the first time? Let's see. If it wasn't, it was one of the first times. Yeah. I feel like... Yeah, he has one game in his Major League uh, Baseball Reference page. Wow, okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But let's talk about DeGrom for a second. So DeGrom left tonight with hamstring spasms. Uh, I was telling Chris beforehand I was braving the supermarket when this was happening, so I did not see this. But, um, you know, we don't know how serious this is. It does not appear that it's necessarily a hugely serious situation. But, again, we don't really know that. Um, I... uh, I have very mixed feelings on this because on one hand, if the Mets are going to be out of it, the one thing that I was sort of watching to root for was DeGrom maybe, you know, making a run at a third Cy Young. Now, if he, if he's going to be hurt and not that's not going to happen, that's um, that's a bummer. But I also don't want to see DeGrom pitching hurt 
this season doesn't really matter to me. I, I think we've talked about this a lot on the show, how, you know, we should be grateful for every minute of baseball we get, but we also can't take the results of the season, good or bad, all that seriously. So if, if DeGrom's sitting out the rest of the year, that's not the end of the world to me. But if DeGrom is out, I think that the Mets are pretty much, there's almost no way they can make the playoffs now. It, it's already a long shot for them to make the playoffs, but it's an especially long shot. If they don't make, if they don't have the Grom, do you do you feel the same way? Oh yeah, um, I think I agree with all of that. Um, I want Degrom to win another Cy Young just because that would be cool. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things that if if things go well, I'm all in. Uh, even though I would still have that perspective that this was a very unique short strange season um but if the mets won the world series then i would probably try to treat it as seriously as any other world series right and if they don't which right now it looks like they will not um i would focus more on that context of the short weird season you know, it's not it's not the end of the world. It's not the same. And absolutely don't want to see DeGrom pitching if he's not feeling 100%. Uh, hamstring spasm was a weird description of an injury. <laughs> I mean, even, even the booth, Gary, Keith, and Ron were like, okay, isn't that just like hamstring tightness or, you know, <laughs> or right, pull? Right. Like, um but yeah, what DeGrom does for you over the course of the next several years is much more important than potentially getting a Cy Young out of this season. And I, I also love that like his ERA right now is 2.09, and that's a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Um, it, it, we were talking about it in, in Slack during this game, and I went back and looked, and obviously, again, you, you can't treat two months like a full season. But a 2.09 ERA, Pedro Martinez only did better than that three times. And all three were over the course of, you know, 162-game seasons. But it, it just puts it in some perspective that the nature of this year has allowed for – I mean, Trevor Bauer and Yu Darvish have been really good. Um, you, you can't take that away from them. But it's allowed for two months of dominance to put you in the Cy Young conversation when DeGrom is continuing what he did over the last two years. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, and Darvish and Bauer each have some really good seasons on their track record, but neither one of them came into this season coming off two years like DeGrom did. So, Yeah. 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 I hope he's 100% healthy and pitches a couple shutouts and wins another Cy Young. But I would much rather that he win the Cy Young next year when I am pretty certain there will be a 162 game season, whether fans are involved or not. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. Um, I. I mean, look, I, I want DeGrom to win every Cy Young until now, from now to the end of time, right? I want him to win a posthumous Cy Young somehow because he's such a good pitcher. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think that no matter what this season's going to have an asterisk next to it 
um, just because that's the way it's going to be. And so if there's ever a season for him to not win the Cy Young, this is the season. And, you know, we really do have to be thankful for all the baseball we've gotten this season. I truly, we've talked about this before, how every game seems like an impossibility that it's even happened, uh, especially given the way things were looking right before the season started. I mean, I think you and I, my brother and I had a bet where I think I owe him a steak dinner or other way around because we thought, like, the season was going to be over. I think I had within the first 14 days, he had within the first 10 days, something like that, because we just didn't think it was going to happen. And so the fact that we're getting this much baseball is is a fine and good thing. The Mets have been relatively healthy. You know, they've, they've done a good job with keeping the precautionary, you know, uh, principles in place and you know I, I i think that this we were talking about this in slack last night some folks were saying you know well if, if you're gonna say that dom smith is for real then you've got to say that pete alonso is not right and what i was saying last night was i think that two months of great play should buy guys more looks buy guys the benefit of the doubt buy them the opportunity to play more baseball. But I don't think that necessarily two months of bad performance should write anybody off. And I know that that's somewhat hypocritical to have different opinions about good and bad performances, but I think you understand what I'm saying. I think that it's easier to use this as an ex- – like almost to use this as a, as a spring training, right? Nobody typically looks at the superstar in spring training – who is hitting a buck twenty-five and say like, "Oh, this, you know, they're done." Spring training is a time when people are working things out. It's such a small sample size, you know, you just don't know. And I think we have to kind of treat the small season the same way. So, I think that this season has been instructive for guys like Jimenez, uh, like Dom Smith, to a lesser degree, like JD Davis. I think it's just given us a good chance to watch these guys play more and to see what they're really capable of. And yeah. hopefully that makes the decision-making process for next season a little bit easier. Yeah, and I think the 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 quantity and quality of play, and, and I don't think the quality of play is quite what it would be in a normal season. Uh, a significant number of good players have opted out, understandably, over COVID concerns. Um, but you're still dealing with a major league level of play uh, and, and a major league level of play where the starting lineup is out there every day for teams. And it's not spring training where it's a couple innings or, you know, two or three guys who you would see in a normal game. Uh, so I, I definitely think this can be informative, but like you said, it's people doing something new that catches your eye. Um, as opposed to, and yeah, Peter Alonso has one season to his his name, uh, but it was really damn good, you know. So I, yeah. I think it's, it's our Dave C pointed out last night that we would be at like May twentieth right now if this was a regular season, right? And at May twentieth of Granderson's, uh, what year was that? Twenty sixteen, seventeen, whatever year it was. That was his last year as a Met, or or so, or what? I, um, 
I should have this memorized by now. But whatever the hell the year was, the people were hating on Granderson at the end of April, and then he was just phenomenal mm-hmm. for for most of the rest of the year, um, and wound up sort of you know living up to his his career norms uh, by doing so. Um, yeah, yeah. Just don't don't give up on Pete Alonso because of this, and it's okay to be excited about uh, you know. Jimenez and I'll admit I've probably been a little too harsh on Rosario myself during during this because Jimenez looks good yeah but but I mean I I think that there's a lot of uh I think that there's a lot of just possibility with with Jimenez and Rosario and I think to a lesser degree Louis Guillaume has proven this season how good he is yeah I, I think that the Mets have I think the Mets could trade one of those guys very easily and not hurt their depth too much. And so maybe that's what gets them a, a starting pitching this year. Right. You know, not an ace, but, you know, a back end of the rotation guy. You know, you can do that relatively easily now. Um, and I think that, you know, it's it's just it's just too early to write off Pete Alonso. You don't have those, – those seasons do happen, right? I mean, like – paging Brady Anderson, <laughs> you know, those, 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 yeah. those, those, those big power seasons do happen, but they don't happen very often. And he hasn't lost his power this year. He just hasn't gotten to a rhythm this year. And part of that is that he's never really DH'd before and they're DHing him every day. And I understand why I'm not criticizing that decision. I understand why they're doing that. And that very well may be his position going forward. If the DH sticks around, you know, um, but I just think you have to give him, Last season was such a wonderful season that you have to give him a chance to replicate it in, under normal circumstances. If if he looks this bad on September 17th of 2021, then I think we can have a conversation about whether or not that one season was an aberration. Right. But right now, I'm not comfortable having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other uh, DeGrom or rest of the season thoughts? Well, um, if they somehow manage to pull this off and and win a bunch of games and get into these expanded playoffs, um, I will be all in. I'm not going to lie. And I think anybody who says that they'd write it off and, you know, have principles about whatever, like they're full of shit. Yeah, and they know they are. Like, if, fuck if it, man. Somehow... I'm all, I am so all in if they make the playoffs. <laughs> right now, they 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 won this game tonight uh, while we were recording, and and they're 22 and 27. Let's say they win five games in a row, which I would not bet money on. But let's say they do, and they go into the last four games uh, in Washington, and have a shot to to make these playoffs i know i'll be into it and i know i'd be into it if they you know pulled it off and and went into these series um but the uh, sort of the upside of all this is that uh, you know as you've mentioned a couple times we've kept in perspective that we're fortunate to even be able to watch some new sports and uh 
you know, in, in that context, I, I'm just not going to be as let down if they don't pull it off this comeback. Absolutely. I mean, I, it, it, it would be for them to make the playoffs would be miraculous for them to make the playoffs and do anything when they're in there would be <laughs> what's better than miraculous. I don't even know. But, you know, especially look at how good the Dodgers are. Oh, the Dodgers starting to falter a little bit. But, you know, it just seems like the path to the pennant is a, is an incredibly tough path. Yeah. And so if they could somehow even make you even trick you into thinking that they could make it to the pennant, good Lord, how fun is that? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just that's the best. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hopefully everybody is uh, everybody's healthy and they can make it fun. And even if they miss the playoffs by a game, as much as a bummer as that will be, if they're providing exciting baseball for the next few weeks, I'm very happy. Yeah. It's better than where I thought we'd be. Which is nowhere right now. <laughs> um, anyway. Any other Mets related thoughts? No, no, not a, <laughs> just a new owner and, and, you know, the best pitcher in baseball, uh, hopefully not being hurt. Not, nothing really else other than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose we've talked about some big stuff so far. Um, do you have a music pick ready to go? If not, I, I do. I, I do. I'm just making sure I get the name of the record right. So right. Theoses, um, who constantly mix up getting OCs into the band name. Yes. How is it spelled this time? What? Let me see how they're listing it on it. Now it's O-S-E-E-S. Capital O, capital S, E-E-S. One word. So... Yeah, they mix it up a lot. It's been o- OCS, Theoses, just OCs, um, whatever the case. <laughs> but they, I'll admit, I have not listened to the actual record um, yet, but they had put it up on YouTube around the time that the pandemic had hit the United States. And, and things started shutting down. They had put up a rehearsal of it. Um, so I don't I don't know if it comes out this week, but KEXP has like an exclusive stream of it. Uh-huh. Uh, um, but yeah, so OCs, as they're, you know, naming themselves for this record. Uh, protein, P-R-O-T-E-A-N, threat, or protein threat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that makes. Maybe that's a word I should have known how to pronounce. Or... I believe it is protein, but I could be. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. That now that I look at it like three times, I'm like, yeah, that that <laughs> is a different word. Uh, tending or able to change frequently or easily. So it's a fucking joke about the band name, apparently. <laughs> what is it? Protein. Uh, oh, okay, okay. I see. Uh, protein tending mm-hmm. or able to change frequently or easily. <laughs> able to do many different things. Versatile. So. I respect it. I love it. Um, so yeah, I haven't listened to the actual record in the in the studio recording version of it yet, but I have heard the record as they played it in their rehearsal, uh, and I can recommend it based on that. So it's OCs, Protein, Threat, 
Uh, and it's either, I would assume it's out this Friday if they dropped it as a, you know, streaming thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So check it out. KEXP has it on their website right now. <clears throat> looks like it's a YouTube embed too. So I think it's there as well. And then on Friday, uh, you know, Spotify, etc. And And I think they have a band camp, although you never know. If not, I think they're on ATO records. But, you know, if you're, for, if you're looking for those, at... For those that don't know the OCs, how would you describe their sound? So they've been around since like the mid to late 90s, even though they're not that old. Uh, and John Dwyer is like the main dude. Uh, and I think there's been a variety of people who have played over the years. Um, how would I describe their sound? So it's funny. There was a song that I swore was in a Grand Theft Auto game, GCA <laughs> five, I think. And there is a Theosi song in that game, but for some reason in my memory, I still want to, I, like, I wish I could go back and look at one of the radio stations in that game to check, but officially it's a different Theosi song than the one that was stuck in my head. <laughs> from playing the game. Um, so maybe I just heard it around the same time, but it's funny because the older records had sort of a different sound. And then, you know, over the last seven, eight, nine years now, um, the, the records all sort of makes the, the early ones made sense together too, but these all feel like they connect in some way, even if they don't necessarily sound the same. Um, so it's their song. They have a tendency to have longer songs. There's there's vocals, but they can they lean more instrumental, and it's just uh, like it, it's probably one of my favorite combinations anybody's ever had of intensity, but also really cool melodies worked into it so it's it's high energy music with long songs which is relatively rare yeah. um you know the the band frankie and the witch fingers that that i recommended at some point on an episode um sort of channels theoses and king gizzard and the lizard wizard in, in that sense you know these bands that can go out and, and play like a punk rock pace uh or or, or even like a metal pace um since you know a good amount of metal can be faster and, and do that and combine it with sort of the concept of what a like a jam band would do you know so if you took i don't know this might be i'm just pulling this one out of my ass but if you took the bad brains and the grateful dead and you and you had music come out of that combination I think that's somewhere around the OCs. That's a pretty good description. Thanks. I like it. I'm going to, I'll have to say that a couple more times and see how people react. <laughs> well, but, you know, it, like the dead have plenty of songs that are six, seven, eight minutes long or, or longer. Or longer um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, that, I'm going to stick with it. I'll keep saying it until somebody tells me that's a bad one, but I'm glad that you gave me a good first reaction on it. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good description. I, I don't know. 
I don't have a better description, so I can't say I don't know if I agree with it or not because I, I don't have a better description of that. But I think that I think the people might hear that and take the wrong parts of the dead and the bad brains for that. But I think if you know both those other bands and you know the OCs, you can see how it all connects. Yeah. Yeah, that that works. Yeah. So uh, my pick is by a band called Low Tom, L-O space T-O-M. And this is a uh, side project of David Bazan, who w- who was and is the main guy behind Pedro the Lion, but was also uh, done a bunch of solo albums, was in an electronic band called Headphones, uh, was part of a band called Passengers. Passengers? That sounds wrong now. Maybe that wasn't the name of it. It probably wasn't. Anyway, um, but he's he's been sort of an indie rock lifer. You know, Page of the Lions first record came out in I think ninety seven or so, and um, this is a record he made. Uh, the second record on the Low Tom name, which he's made with a couple of other guys who are similarly indie rock lifers. Two of the guys from Starflyer fifty nine. One of the guys who's played in a bunch of Page of the Lion projects and has a solo career named T W Walsh. And um, each record, uh, the first one and this one, are each only eight songs long. They're all really direct songs. This record, they have described as being all about debt, like both financial and sort of personal debt. I hear it about isolation. There's a lot of songs about, like, kind of the desire to to get the fuck out of here, whether it's, like, out of here being, like, a bad relationship or out of here being, like, society. The last song on the album is called In a Van, and the chorus is like, believe me, I would sell it all and live in a van. So it's just about kind of just like getting away from everything. But this album is a little bit more aggressive than the last one. The last one was all like first or second takes, not a lot of overdubs. This is much more overdub. It's very dark. And if you were curious about how dark it is, the, the first album cover has a, a, like a ceramic dog wearing sunglasses on it. This album cover, the dog is on its side and blood is coming out of its head. <laughs> So it's all it, right. Like, like <laughs> fr- just from the cover image, you're like, oh shit, this is dark. But they just kickstarted a vinyl release of this and then released it digitally the day the Kickstarter ended. And um, it's probably not quite as catchy as the first one. There's still some really good melodies on it, but this is a much, much darker record. And I feel like a lot of my music picks during this pandemic have been very sunny records because I've been trying to counterbalance the shitstorm that is our world with what i've been listening to but this feels even though this was this was finished a year ago this was mm-hmm. i think it was actually finished in last spring so it's you know it's not like it's written about the pandemic but it just feels very of the time and it feels very uh urgent and very um just prescient for what we're going through even though it doesn't it never mentions trump by name it never you know obviously it couldn't mention coronavirus by name or anything like that it's right. just uh it's just it just feels like a, a very uh a very symbolic record to what we're going through right now. And so it, it's kind of dark indie rock. Um yeah. I, I don't know how else I would describe it, but 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 I do hope that people check it out, if only because I think that the the lyrics are quite strong and and pretty uh pretty uh like I said, pretty available to the emotions that people are feeling right now. Like, I think you could listen to this, and it's very easy to connect how you feel with how these lyrics are. So, yeah, that's my pick, Low Tom. The, both their albums are called Low Tom. This one's been uh, stylized as LP2, 
Just they said like for your digital library, so you, they don't have two records named Lil Tom. Um, all right. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my pick. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, are we gonna try and do a show next week? I think yeah, I think try. Um, if the Mets win every game between now and then, that'll be helpful. <laughs> yeah, let's put it this way: if there is a uh, if the Mets are in playoff position next week, I think we yeah. should do a show. Yeah, a week from tonight, if the Mets are, you know, wrapping up their series with the Rays, because they've got one more against the Phillies, three against the Braves, three against the Rays. If at the end of that series they are still in it going into the final weekend, we will we will do a show. And if not, we might just have to eulogize the 2020 Mets after. Yes. Yeah. We'll see how all that goes. Of that. Yeah. But – um. I, I do want to say thank you all so much for listening to us and sticking with us this season. It's been a weird one. Hopefully we never have another one like this ever again. God help us, please. Um, so yeah, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for checking out amazingavenue.com. We have lots of interesting stuff going up over the next few days. Um, and, and all the time, really, we're always trying to, to be your one-stop shop for all Mets related content. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at amazing Avenue. You can find this show wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple podcasts, soon coming to Amazon podcasts, I believe. And um, on whatever platform you get this, please rate review and subscribe. That helps folks find out about us. Uh, Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am at Brian needs a nap. And until next time, and possibly for the last time in the 2020 season, let's go Mets.